Hey, welcome to the Danny Abel podcast, where I help you connect the dots between mindset, metabolism, nutrition, and fitness to help you easily understand complex health and wellness concepts. I'm thrilled you're here to listen to what I have to share. So let's dive right in. Welcome back to the show, guys. Episode 11. I'm finally sharing my story with you. This is something that I wanted to share in the beginning when I first launched the podcast, but I found that I really wanted to offer you some value first. And then kind of as you got to know me and know what I stand for and you know what I support, then it would make more sense as far as like, why did I get to this point or how did I get to this point? So today I want to share with you my story. And if I'm being really honest, I did go through and I kind of jotted down some general notes, mostly because I didn't want to forget things that I think were important along the way. But I also want you to know that this is more of a loose kind of free flowing story style podcast, because I want it to be as though like I'm telling you my story and make it more conversational as though we were in the same room and you were saying, you know, what are the things that you did in the beginning that maybe weren't the best choices and how did you fix them? So I want this podcast to be helpful for you in the frame that I have made mistakes. Um, If I'm being real honest, I'm currently making mistakes and I know, but it's, it's really just recognizing that like, we are all constantly evolving and ever-changing, and you don't purposefully make those mistakes. It's a matter of learning and applying the knowledge that you gain when you look back and you reflect upon where you have come from and where you are currently. That's when you identify things that maybe you could have done differently. Okay, so I want you to keep that in mind as we're going through this, and I really want you to feel and unassigned, I should say unassigned any shame if you are doing these things that I have done in the past. I don't want you to feel bad about it. I want you to take this as a learning opportunity to really truly understand why it may not be optimal. And then I'm going to go through and explain to you, you know, what I did to fix my issues and maybe you can apply those for yourself. All right. So it really starts with uh, my husband and I's fertility journey. You know, looking back when we started that, I didn't know. I didn't know that it was the beginning of my journey. Like when I was in it, I wouldn't have been able to tell you like, yep, here's where it starts. But when I reflect back and I look at the summation of everything that I have done, you know, I mean, Really, it's been about five years of like consistent effort, but it even started before that around year eight, like eight years ago, when we were working on having our first baby. So we decided that we wanted to try for a baby after about, I think we were, we had been married about seven years, something like that. And we're definitely outside of the norm as far as like, at least where we live geographically and in a small community that we live in, it was very uncommon for a couple to be married for as long as we had been without having kids. It's just kind of how it is here. So we finally decided to start trying. And, 
you know, I didn't think there was anything like, you know, wrong with me. I felt like I led a pretty healthy life, but I ended up running into some problems and it was, it was really defeating because I felt like I was leading a fairly healthy life. However, when I look back on it now, you know, my life at that time was really, really stressful. Uh, Mostly it was career stress. And that's probably what drove a lot of my issues. Um, I'll kind of unpack that in a minute. But that, that led to, so the career stress led to issues with food. And that led to issues with me being able to have the quote unquote time to move my body and be able to prioritize that because I was so worried and so stressed out about work-related things that anything that I felt like I needed to do for myself, it really wasn't important in my mind. That was my mindset back then. I was so focused on people-pleasing and trying to be the best leader that I could that my personal needs, and even I would even go as far as saying like even the needs of my marriage were less important. And it feels bad. It feels bad saying that out loud, but like it is very, it was very true. So when we first started, I ended up having um, about a period of like, I think it was about nine months where I had two miscarriages over the course of nine months. Um, The first one, gosh, looking back, I should have written this, written this, (laughs) I should have written this down in my notes here, but if I had to guess, let's see. Uh, oh, I do remember because, oh, <laughs> there's my Minnesotan coming out, or at least the Midwestern in me. Um, anyway, I digress. So the first miscarriage that I had was an, in July. It was in July of 20, let's see, it would have been 2012 because Claire came around in 2014. So yeah, it would have been July 2012. We were gearing up to go to the lake, which is funny that I'm recording this right now because we're literally getting ready to go to the lake this coming weekend. Uh, So anyway, we were getting ready to go. We had found out like, I don't know, maybe like four weeks before we were getting ready to leave for the lake that I was pregnant. So of course we were really, really excited and we only told a few very close family members. And then I started to have spotting and then it kind of moved into like a heavier bleed. And then that's when I started to panic, went to my primary care provider. They ordered an ultrasound. Um, I also had like labs done and things like that. And ultimately the ultrasound showed that the baby was in the process of separating from the uterine lining. And essentially they were saying like, you will lose this pregnancy. And so of course we were devastated and we canceled our trip to the lake. And that was, you know, two whammies because A, I was pregnant for the first time, really excited, but I was in the process of losing it. And then B, this Shell Lake trip that we always go to at the end of July was something that we always look forward to. Like my family has been going to this lake for, I think it's now like 52 some years. So both of those happened at the same time. Um, Took some time, kind of let my body reset, if you will. And come December, it happened again. But this time it happened earlier. Um, I think I was pregnant for maybe like two or three weeks and then the spotting started and the whole thing all over again. And 
I, I kind of knew that it was happening. And then the spiral happened. After that, it was like, maybe I'm never going to become a mom. Like, how is this even going to work for me? And I was just completely devastated. So I went to my primary care provider and essentially what he told me at that time was that like I was low risk. I think back then I would have been, hmm, I would have been like 20, 27, something along those lines. Don't quote me on that. Um, 27 or 28, something like that. And he said, just keep trying. Well, in my mind, I'm like, well, something is definitely off. Like something, something is happening and if you know me, I'm very science driven. I'm very, um, I'm very curious. I like to read and listen to anything I possibly can and just absorb anything. You know, I'm just constantly trying to learn and achieve new levels of knowledge. So I went through the process of learning about my cycle through a process that's called for the fertility awareness method. It's also abbreviated as like FAM, FAM, or you might've heard of it also referred to as natural family planning. So I learned what that was and I started to track my cycle. Um, and that included my basal body temperature. It included my cervical mucus and it included my cervical positioning. And as weird as that was, learning that, it really provided me with a lot of really great information when I went to my OB. So after that happened, I was really not happy with it. So I not only sought out something for myself to help me learn, but then I also sought, sought out a second opinion from a medical professional. So I went down, saw an OB, explained what had happened, you know, told him all of what had been going on. And essentially he said, you know, to me, it sounds like you might have low progesterone because you're having difficulty maintaining the pregnancy. Like you can get pregnant, you're cycling, you're ovulating, your timing is good, but you're not able to maintain the pregnancy. And typically that's indicative of low progesterone. So I'm like, okay, well, this is more information that I didn't know before. So what he did is he gave me a script uh, for progesterone and he said, you know, you can keep trying, but when you get pregnant again, I want you to fill the progesterone prescription. And as soon as you get that positive pregnancy test, I want you to start taking it. So that did ultimately happen. Gosh, I think, uh, let's see, it would have been that next May, something like that, April or May, because Claire was born in February. That's when we got pregnant again, and this time I started supplementing with the oral progesterone, and I was successful. But I, if I'm being honest, like the whole pregnancy, I was worried that I was going to lose it, and you know I was trying to manage stress, like not jump to conclusions, not worry about things that you know I didn't even know were or were not going to happen. But it's easier said than done, right? I mean, I'm sure that you've been in similar situations. You're worried about this thing, and it's really hard to manipulate your mind when that is kind of all-consuming. So the pregnancy went on, and it was great. Um, no issues, no complications, and she came along in February. So then at about two, when she was about two, we decided that we were going to start trying for our second one. So this time I knew from my past experience, you know, probably what needed to happen or what needed to change. So we started, gosh, uh, January, I think it would have been, it would have been January of 2016. 
And literally my first cycle, my first cycle, we got pregnant. I used FAM. I used the fertility awareness method. I knew what my cycle had done in the past. You know, if I was really on top of it, I probably would have started tracking my cycle earlier before we officially like started. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, there's no problem. I'll just, you know, start up when we're ready again. And so luckily my cycle really hadn't changed over the two year period. But anyway, so started, was able to identify when I would be ovulating or at least my ovulatory window. We timed that appropriately and we were successful. And when we started trying again, I had notified my OB. I said, hey, we're going to start trying, um, you know, knowing my past history. When this happens, can I call you and will you order me a new progesterone script? And so he's like, yeah, cool. So that happened. He ordered the progesterone. I started taking it immediately. Again, that pregnancy went really well. No complications. Tim came along in October. All right. So fast forward a year. It had been about a year after Tim came along and I I was breastfeeding, but the weight was not coming off with him. I think I gained, gosh, I think I gained about 50, 50 pounds-ish with Tim. With Claire, I think I gained maybe like 30, something like that. And with Claire, the weight came right off. It just came right off. I was breastfeeding, you know, I was like maybe a little bit fluffy, but like it was nothing like with Tim. I always say that like he wrecked my body, (laughs) but it wasn't probably until about a year later when I realized like, okay, what I, what I was doing in the past that doesn't seem to be working anymore. So I got to figure out something else. And it was, it was a, gosh, it was probably like a, it was a Sunday night. Actually. I remember it very distinctly. It was a Sunday night and I had just got done with laundry that day. And I was at the point where like none of my clothes fit anymore. And I was so tired of wearing the maternity stuff because I mean, it had been a year. It had been a year since I had a kid. So it's like, you know, you're kind of like past the excuse of saying like, oh, I'm still, you know, working on dropping the baby weight. And it's like accepted to wear the maternity clothes for a while. But then eventually it's kind of like, eh, you probably need to transition out of those. So it was after a year and I was like, I'm done with this. So it was, I was like faced with the decision to either start buying larger clothes or figure out how to drop some of the weight so that I could get back into most of my clothes that I was wearing before I started to, or before I was pregnant with Tim. So it was literally on a Sunday night I set my alarm. I put it over in this like armchair that we have that's like across our bedroom because I knew that I was terrible about the snooze button. The snooze button was something that I used to abuse when I was working full time in nursing, in nursing leadership in particular, like full transparency. I didn't want to start my day. I did not want to start my day. So in my mind, it was like, I'll just keep snoozing because I want to like delay the inevitable. (laughs) But uh, that didn't really work out for me. I mean, there were like many times where I was like rushing out the door, flying out the door, trying to get to work. And I was always behind. And, you know, that just created like this whole clusterfuck of, you know, scheduling issues and like time management problems. So I knew that was a problem. And I'm like, okay, well, here's I'm going to eliminate this is I got to get my ass out of the bed and turn the alarm off. And then once I'm out, you know, it it doesn't really feel good (laughs) to go get out of bed, turn the alarm off, and then 
go crawl back into bed. So that's how I kind of got around that. And then the other thing that I did is I put my clothes, my workout clothes on the scale in the morning. Now, I mean, do I do that right now anymore? No, I put them on the bathroom counter because that's where I get ready in the morning. But that was kind of like my motivator. And it was mostly because I was scale focused back then. But that that was helpful for me for a period of time. So those are the two things that I did that were very, very pivotal, pivotal, pivotal. And I think, you know, looking back, if I had to do it all over again, I would, I definitely still put my alarm across the room. It's just my phone. I have it set, you know, with an alarm and then I have like downtime set typically about 7 PM each night. That helps me to stay off my phone and, you know, get my evening things done that prep me for success for the next day. So phone across the room. And then, like I said, right now, I just, I pick out my clothes that I'm going to train in and I put them on the bathroom counter. And if I ever have a day, if I ever have a day where I'm feeling like under-motivated or I don't want to train or I don't want to work out, when I see those clothes, it's almost like, hey, you set an intention for yourself to get this done. So you better freaking get it done. And it really helped me. So hopefully something like that will help you um, if that's something that you maybe have struggled with. So when I first started, as far as like getting back into fitness, you know, before babies, before I had kids or before we were planning to be parents, I was really into running. You know, I was into triathlons. Um, Gosh, what else did I do? I mean, road biking, that's, you know, part of the triathlon piece. But mostly I was like a cardio bunny for sure. Very much hyper-focused on like sweating and getting my heart rate up in very high intensity things. And, you know, that worked for a period of time, but it never got me the body that like I saw, that I saw other people with, like that toned, really great, like tight physique. You know, I was I was thinner back then, but I was fluffy. It was like that skinny fat that you hear about. And it was because I wasn't training. I wasn't actually lifting. I didn't have any program that I was following, no plan. I was just winging it. So, you know, it worked for a while, but it definitely was not a very good long-term strategy. So after we had our kids, after that one-year mark with Tim, um, because our kids were so little and I was still working full-time in leadership, I had to figure out a way to get my movement in without it being a barrier. So I started these like low ticket, like video-based home workouts. I set up an area in our house where I could get up early and get those in. And yeah, it worked for a while and it definitely helped me to lose fat. But what I did that wasn't optimal was that I just kept doing them. I just kept doing them over and over and over again. And what it kind of caused for me is it caused me to be like, I just look like skin and bones, you guys. Like, yeah, I was lifting a little bit, but it wasn't very heavy. It was like more, I always call it um, cardio with weights because I think that's really easy to understand. It's like lots of movements, like multi-joint movements. Like I'm talking like squat to burpee, um, tuck jump to push up, um, bicep curl to tricep kick kick back, bicep curl to overhead press, like all kinds of like multi, multi multi-part movements. And when you're doing that kind of a thing, you can't load it very heavy. 
because the time under tension is so high and the movement complexity is so high, you can't really, you can't load it. So that is really like suboptimal if you're looking to get that like toned, like built muscle look. But again, I didn't know it back then and I didn't know any better. So I just kept doing it. After that, when I started to realize like, huh, my body really isn't looking like I was hoping. Then what I did is I did some like just cheap influencer guides. Like, you know them, they're like $40, $50. The influencers release them like, I don't know, maybe every six weeks or something like that. And I was in this big group with a bunch of other women who were attracted to this influencer's body and decided that, you know, if I do her workouts, then I'm definitely going to look like her. But that never happened. And those plans or programs, they also were like multi, multi joint, lots of those like complex movements. And ultimately it ended up being like a lot of cardio with weights and honestly, like a lot of hit because it was weights with pushups, with, you know, um, jumping lunges, you know, things like that, that are just like crazy. You can't you have to rest. You have to rest in order to build muscle. And there was like very little rest in these programs. So then after I realized that, you know, that really wasn't helping me, then I started to find programs that were more evidence-based and that were more resistance training based. And those were a little bit more expensive programs, but they were like done for you programs. um, And they were from coaches that really were focused on like resistance training, strength training, and not so much like the cardio hit piece. And those work really well. I think I did those for, gosh, maybe a year and a half, maybe two, something like that. And then I eventually got to the point where I was like tired of doing the 10 and 12 reps all the time. I was also kind of tired of like not having access to a coach that could help me improve my form and really just help me more from like a partnership and a collaborative experience to understand more, okay, these are my specific body composition and performance-based goals. You know, clearly I'm missing something here. Like there's some gaps for me to fill in that would help me to really sculpt this physique that I have in my mind. And so I hired my first coach and that was a game changer because I had somebody that I could finally ask questions of and I was getting custom programming and I didn't have to worry about like modifying exercises or subbing out exercises or skipping exercises that were in some of those like done for you guides. Um, He was creating everything just for me and it, it really, really helped. And if I'm being honest, like just the accountability too, the accountability was huge. Like I'm never one that needs motivation to be consistent. I've kind of established that a long time ago, but that partnership, like it's, you can't assign a value to it. It's like, you know, doing it by yourself. Okay. But doing it with somebody else, having somebody else there really, really helps um, in my experience and from my perspective. So then I got to the point where I was like, okay, cool. Now I really want to learn how to lift heavier weights, focus on strength, that kind of a thing. So I transitioned to more of like a bodybuilder slash like powerlifting coach. And honestly, like, I think he just had quite a few clients and it just didn't work out. So after 
uh, gosh, maybe a couple, a couple months of that, um, I was referred to a powerlifting coach and that is my current coach. And he is fabulous. I mean, completely changed my mindset around, you know, eating more food, bulking, um, really leaning into more of the like bro style of lifting, like more of the strength type of lifting, of course, with some hypertrophy in there and some conditioning work and things like that. But that the whole entire process, like every single time I did something new, it always felt difficult. It always felt scary. It was like that change. You feel very vulnerable. At least that's how I felt. I felt very vulnerable. And what I have found is that like, just kind of like letting go, let go of that expectation to, you know, not ask stupid questions or silly questions that you think are maybe like something that this other person thinks you should know. Just ask it. You know, it's so nice being able to just ask those questions and you don't have to Google it. You know, you can actually ask a real life expert and, you know, just thinking about like some of the conversations that I have with my clients now, that is definitely something where they're like, oh, it's so nice to be able to tap into your expertise and your years of experience and not have to rely upon like, you know, the search engine. (laughs) You don't have to rely upon Google. So that was huge. And it's something that I personally find valuable. And like I said, my clients do too. All right, let's talk about nutrition. This is one that I talk probably more about on my platforms. And it's mostly because like, this is where I really, really, really struggled. So thinking back to my fertility journey, part of my problem back then was stress. Probably the primary issue was stress. That led to poor sleep which therefore led to poor nutrition choices, which therefore led to me having excuses or at least a mindset related to excuses of not being able to move my body, whether that be just going out for a walk or even, you know, getting started with lifting weights. But that's kind of where it all it all started. The nutrition piece in particular, I remember there were times when I would come home from work and I would be so stressed. And I felt like food was the only thing that I could control. Food was the only thing that I had a conscious ability to make a decision around. And I was going to take full control of that decision. So it was like, I don't even care. I'm going to have the cookies. I'm going to have the whatevers because it makes me feel good. It was that neurological response, that, that numbing of the pain, numbing of the emotions that I was searching, that I was seeking out and that I would get with the food but it was short-lived. It was short-lived. It never actually solved the problems. It was just like a Band-Aid. It was a Band-Aid for things that I didn't want to deal with at that time, or I felt vulnerable asking for help around. So when I kind of started this whole thing, you know, a year after Tim was born, so looking back like five years, the video-based workouts that I was telling you about They had like a a dieting program. They called it nutrition, but it was dieting um, where they taught you how to build a balanced plate and things like that. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound as though that's a bad choice. It could be a good choice for you depending upon what your actual needs are. And at that time, like my need was to improve my body composition, lose fat, gain muscle, but I probably didn't need to do it in that way because it was very restrictive. It was very, 
good food, bad food driven. And it was such a low amount of calories that it ultimately led to a lot of issues for me. Like I'm very surprised I didn't lose my period. I'm very surprised that I didn't end up with like a hypothyroidism diagnosis, that kind of thing. So for about 18 months, I dieted on these this nutrition program. It was a portion control program. But what I didn't understand back then was that those were diet calories. Even though I wasn't counting calories, you know, even though I wasn't counting macros, the way that the the nutrition program was set up is that you got these colored containers and the containers limited your food intake. And so therefore that limited your calorie intake. And in my mind, it was like, oh, I just do this for life. And I felt like at the time, you know, it was pretty decent because I got to the point where I knew the portions pretty well. And so when I was traveling or like if we were out to dinner or something, I knew about how much needed to go on my plate. But that also led to fear of food because any time that like cake would come out after dinner or like my kids' birthdays, there'd be pie and ice cream or something like that, it was like, oh, I can't have that because that doesn't fall into my nutrition quote unquote plan. So then that led to like a whole mindset spiral because people would be like, do you want a piece of cake? And I'd be like, and it was like this pivotal moment. And I was like, what do I say? You know, like, do I say yes and then feel bad and shamed about it later because I fell off plan? Or do I say yes and enjoy myself and move on? But the thing is, is when I would say yes, I could never move on. I would feel bad about it. And then the next day I would would cut back on food because I'm like, well, I went over yesterday. So like tomorrow I need to cut back. It just, it was a constant cycle and a, a constant problem. So then, gosh, probably, okay. So like 18 months after that, then I found macros. Um, There is a evidence-based nutrition expert in the field. I'm not going to name names, but I really like his content. I really loved his YouTube channel. And at the time he had a podcast. And so I was following him and had been following him for quite a while. And he came out with this app and it was macros. And I'm like, okay, cool. This sounds like a way easier way to manage your nutrition. He talked a lot about like it being flexible and that you can incorporate the cookies or, you know, incorporate the ice cream sandwich. I always use those two examples because I pretty much have those two every single day. You know, it does not make up a large portion of my diet, but it is something that I do include as a little bit of fun food. So anyway, he was talking about that and I'm like, man, I want that. You know, like clearly this this portion thing that I've been doing is causing me a lot of anxiety, a lot of headaches, and I need to be able to find a way that I can, you know, manage my intake for life. So this sounded like a really good idea. So I downloaded the app and I didn't know any better and I just started, you know, tracking my intake and trying to meet these calorie and macro goals, but it was dieting macros. It was deficit calories, it was deficit macros. And I didn't know any better. So I did that for I don't know, probably a year, maybe not quite a year, something like that. And I remember laying on the couch. This was at the time, like this was in the middle of the pandemic. And I remember laying on the couch, taking a nap. Uh, The kids were home and I remember I was so tired. I was so tired, so fatigued. Now, mind you, at the same time, I'm also training. I'm also like doing a lot of high intensity training. 
I think this would have been around the time that I was like transitioning from the influencer guides to the more evidence-based guides. But anyway, I was training a lot. I was getting a lot of steps. It was summertime and I was just absolutely exhausted, absolutely exhausted. And so that got me curious about, you know, what I had heard about reverse dieting. And, you know, what I knew at the time was that you needed to increase your energy expenditure in order to improve your energy levels and improve your performance in the gym. Now at that time, I wasn't like overly concerned about my physique. I mean, I had some muscle. I was definitely really lean. So it was more like the daily energy and the performance because my energy in the gym was terrible and my performance in the gym was terrible. Like I was there, I was showing up, but inside I felt hollow. I felt dead inside. And then I couldn't really push myself. I didn't have the level of performance that I was kind of hoping for. And then I wasn't making progress in the performance realm. Like, you know, it was really hard for me to lift like, you know, a 40 pound dumbbell or something. Like I'm just giving you an example, but it was like, you know, how are these girls like, you know, squatting 135 pounds. Like I could never do that. I feel like crap. I don't have the energy to do it. So I finally got the courage to reverse. And it was as a result of finding an accountability partner, a friend actually that I found through the community of the macro tracking app, who is to this day, one of my very, very best friends. We talk just about every single day. We've never met in person. She lives in Canada Um, I'm definitely going to have her on the podcast in the future, but she is who kept me sane. And she was also going through this at the same time. We were in like a little bit different spots as far as like what we were doing, as far as our uh, macros and our calories went and like our training, but like overall very, very similar. So we would keep each other accountable. We would ask each other questions. Like, you know, each of us kind of had like a little bit different areas of expertise Or at least we knew who to ask if we had like problems or like if something came up and we didn't know how to solve it. So that was huge, huge, absolutely huge. I'm not sure that I would have done it without her. And mostly it was because I didn't have anybody else who was going through this process. So it was really comforting. It was like normalizing the problem that I had, knowing that she was there and she was going through it in a similar way. So we both finally got up to maintenance. And something miraculous happened. Our bodies didn't really change. You know, we felt really good. And so it was like this whole mind fuck of, okay, so you can slowly increase calories in a reverse diet, feel very high energy, and make performance gains in the gym. It was like, why the hell didn't I do this before? Like, why did I wait so long? And looking back, it's like, you couldn't have told me, hey, this is how it's going to be. It's the experience itself. And I think you can maybe relate to this. Like, think about something that, you know, when you first started it, it was really scary. It was like a, a change. It was a, it was a big endeavor. It was like a big goal. And it felt like such an effort to keep going or even just to get started for crying out loud. But when you look back and you realize like, wow, why was I so worried about that? You know, why didn't I start it sooner? Why didn't I, why didn't I say yes to that earlier? If you're finding yourself in that position right now, I can't encourage you enough. 
Like get outside of your comfort zone. It's going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to have some struggles. It's not going to be easy, but I'm going to tell you that it will change your life. It'll change your life. And what happened for me is that I was able to improve my relationship with food, get over the dieting mindset, get away from diet culture, realize that nutrition is a way of life. You know, it's not just dieting for weight loss. It's not just dieting to see what the number on the scale is going to show tomorrow and freak out when it goes up. It's a matter of understanding, like, where should my food be at right now based upon my goals? And what should I be doing with my movement based upon my goals? So this is the, this is the key information here, what I would have done differently. So you know pretty much my whole story now what I would have done differently. So starting with the fertility piece, if I would have known better, I would have worked on my stress management, which would have impacted my ability to sleep better, which would have impacted my ability to prioritize my nutrition and understand that food is literally fuel for my brain and for my body. And to be able to feel good and empowered to move my body. You know, all of that impacted my challenges with my fertility. And ultimately, you know, if you want to know why I struggled now that I know what I know, it's because my sex hormones, progesterone in particular, were probably very low due to high stress, poor sleep, poor nutrition, and poor bodily movement. That's why I had problems. And just knowing what I know now and knowing that I could have fixed it, it's like, man, you know, man, I wish I would have known what I know now. Hey, I didn't. Now you do. Hopefully it'll help you not have to go through the same challenges and struggles that I did. As far as the the movement piece, I wish I would have just changed my mindset around the fact that like, I don't need to be you know, getting my heart rate up super high. I don't need to be constantly sweating in order to like have a good workout. The burn doesn't mean anything, you guys. The mer- the burn means jack shit. It's a matter of creating tension in your muscles and making sure that you have enough energy in the form of food to repair the damage that you do, the micro damage that you do to those muscles so that when they are rebuilt, when they are repaired, they're stronger and they're a little bit larger. And that's what gets you that toned looking tight physique. That's not the cardio. Cardio is fine if you're in a fat loss phase. Cardio is fine, like low intensity walking for managing fat, but it's not how you lose fat if that is your goal. You know, and if you do, if you do end up losing some fat, you're going to look like stick thin. You're not going to have any muscle mass and you're just going to look like skin and bones. And when you get to that number, if you're anything like me, you're going to look at yourself and you're going to be like, well, that's not what I was picturing. That's not what I was picturing with that number. And then as far as the nutrition goes, I could have skipped that whole entire dieting phase, figured out where maintenance was, figured out what maintenance was, because I didn't understand what that was and just ate at maintenance, lifted and gotten steps. This is also known as a body recomposition. So you eat at maintenance, you feel great, your brain is fueled, your body is fueled, 
you can lift, you can live your life, you're sleeping great, your libido is high. And yes, it takes a little bit longer than if you were in a deficit, but I'm telling you, it is so much easier to maintain and you feel so much better. Last but not least, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm constantly evolving. And so are you. So I hope that something here resonated with you. And hey, you know, I've just poured my entire heart out to you. I've shared a lot of like deep struggles that I went through. If something resonated here with you, if you picked up anything, if you learned something new or if this episode helped you, I would love it. I would absolutely love it if you reached out and let me know. Send me a DM. Tag me in your story. Let me know. All right, guys, that wraps up episode 11. As always, I hope that you got a ton of value from my story and that it helps you to get a little farther ahead. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Danny Abel podcast. If you're enjoying the show and you haven't already, consider subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. If you love the episode, screenshot it, share it to your story, and tag me. And lastly, if you have any questions, send me a DM and I'll see if I can help. Thanks again for listening. Take care.